This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good afternoon. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. It's a holiday special, part one of two. Uh, this is our our first of the shows to try and welcome in the new year 2022 hopefully things can get a little bit better and we're, we're going to take a look back at the past year one of the toughest years probably in education in recent memory and with our guests your views your call-ins we're going to try and unpick it and see what that last year 2021 looked like for us all this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live Tune in live at tdradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Fab, well, I don't think I broke anything there and hopefully everyone can hear me loud and clear i can hear someone on the other end there my guest but i'm, I'm hoping he's not going to spoil it by revealing himself too soon so welcome again to the show it's are you a... looking to take your oh, phonics hello. practice forward should we stop that advert playing that'd be good so it's the first of our two holiday specials i'm benjamin barker i'm your host for these two i'm really excited to kind of come on board and join you first thing though i wanted to say was a, a massive well done to all of those involved over the last 24 hours um, with the raising awareness and raising funds for the bowel cancer campaign having i dropped in and out throughout the day yesterday i was pretending i didn't have two sons a wife and a family that i was visiting and i was dropping in and out of the spaces and some of the conversations were well some of them may be inappropriate but it was quite funny actually uh, but the amount of money raised as of earlier this morning um, it was over 1300 pounds so being able to just come together over a holiday, raise awareness, you know, make people um, kind of start donating and help out a really, really worthwhile cause. It was fantastic to um, fantastic to see. So well done to everybody who was involved, especially in those absolute graveyard shifts in the middle of the night, um, pulling that together. You've probably helped a lot of people out with the money that was raised. So thank you to everyone who took part and especially those who set up that Twitter space. It was really fantastic to hear. So in today's show and tomorrow's as well, we want to take a, a look back at the at the last year, you know, what we can learn. So hopefully have a discussion, a, a real candid one over some of the mistakes that we might have made or we've seen made and what the future might hold. It's been a real, real nightmare of the last two years in education. And I think, you know, we'd love to hear all your thoughts, your ideas, questions. And if you're, if you're free and you've got the time, just reaching out, we'll be able to get you on on a call alongside the guests and the people listening today. So if you did want to reach out, um, there's a few ways you can do it. As you can imagine, we're pretty future proof here at Teacher Talk Radio. So you can tweet with the hashtag TT Radio. I've got my little screen to the side here, so I'll try and pick up as many of those as I can. If you're on the Podbean app uh, on your phones or on your tablets or devices, you can call in, you can type in the discussion. And again, uh, the guest and myself will try and pick up as many of those as we can as well. And I think the biggest thing, even if you've never done anything like this before, there's no judgment. Okay. So if you want to, if you're feeling a bit, uh, you want to step out your comfort zone, do give us a call in, you know, put the chocolates down, have a quick chat with us. And it'd be real fantastic to, to hear your thoughts and kind of what the last year has been like, been like for you. So I mentioned a guest, I'm not going to introduce him just yet. I've got a little tease here for you, but he's a, uh, it's the hero, the legend, Tom, who's also on the call, Tom's best friend. He's, he was an old work colleague of mine. We had a bit of a break that I think was good for our relationship. And he's uh, he's he's now kind of in a way a current work colleague, but we'll we'll get a bit more from him from him later. So I I reached out to Tom and I, I really wanted to try and open a, a slightly different dialogue to what I'm used to anyway. I know when I so I use Twitter, um, Instagram a little bit. 
And you can see there's this, and it doesn't matter what industry it's in, whether it's education or property or fitness or anything, there's this trend on social media. And you always see posts of people doing really well, which is fantastic for them, you know, or a school mentioning glowing Ofsted reports um, or potentially outcomes or work they do in the community, you know, or donations they give to charity. And it's all really, really good stuff. And they're helping pupils, staff, well-being, the local community. But I think sometimes we you could fall into a trap of um, being a victim of this survivorship bias. Okay, so some of you may have heard that before, but it's um, this is what I want us to kind of explore a little bit today. You know, is there a bit of a fallacy? Are we falling into a trap when all we see is the best of people or companies or corporations? Are we missing something really good, a real interesting thread that if we kind of teased it out a bit more might help us a, a little bit more there? Um, so Adam Boxer, I'm going to just plug people who I follow and I think are amazing. So Adam Boxer tweeted a picture that I'm going to kind of briefly elaborate on. And if you've seen the picture, it's it's a plan view of a World War II uh, bomber and it's covered in loads of red dots. So the idea being, um, and it's probably one of the most famous examples of survivorship bias. It goes back to World War II. So at the time, the American, bear with me here, my guest is going to love this bit of a history lesson, but bear with me, it's really interesting. At the time, the American military asked this mathematician to study the airplanes and how they came back, uh, you know, to the air bases. And they wanted, they tasked this mathematician with finding out how could they protect the um, airplanes better because obviously you can't just cover the whole airplane in extra armor because it will not be able to fly or not be able to handle as well so what is what's the best parts of the plane that we need to protect so initially their plan had been well what we'll do is we'll look at the planes that come back and we'll see where they're shot and wherever they're worst hit that's where we'll put extra armor on those planes which kind of makes sense so if the planes are getting shot most in the wings or in the tail let's put more armor on the wings and tail and then they're obviously going to be safer when they come back from uh, from their bombing runs from their missions but this mathematician his name was abraham wald he realized that they'd fallen victim to this same idea of survivorship bias because the only thing that they were analyzing was part of the picture it was only the planes that had been shot and had made it back okay so by looking at just those planes that had been shot and made it back the military were actually planning to armor the parts of the plane that didn't need armoring if the plane got shot in the at the tip of the wing and made it back home it probably doesn't need any armor in the tip of the wing so it's what's that bit of information they were missing and in this in this story the bit was the planes that got shot and crashed that would be the really useful discussion and analysis to do where do you shoot a plane where it cannot make it back home and I, it's a bit tenuous but i think that's the same with this idea of you know whenever we see these fantastic stories or people on social media or these fitness gurus sharing everything that works for them i think i'd argue that they're probably not the best examples to follow you know you feel like you're chasing that silver bullet a little bit of that thing works really well at that school or that thing works for that pt in a gym but what about all the times it failed or all the mistakes that got made in other companies can we learn more from that potentially so um that's it we're not here to parade all the failings we've ever done you know i'm not going to just kind of <laughs> embarrass someone for a whole hour it's definitely not the case but it's more let's look back at this year that's gone by and what are some of the mistakes that we've seen happen maybe nationally or in our own settings or things that we've noticed when we've been speaking with other professionals and colleagues yeah what is it we've struggled with in the past year so that we might be able to see what is it we need to do to 
be right moving forwards. So what I'm going to put as a question for anyone who's listening, and like I said, through that hashtag TT Radio or on this Podbean app, is upon reflection, what mistakes have you learned from the most in 2021? So I've just put that in the in the Podbean app there. Okay, that's what I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on and what you're thinking. So enough with me. I've, I'm timed this quite well. I was messaging Kyle before going, Kyle, get on early because I'm going to ramble and get through this too quick. So uh, I, I spoiled it. Uh, our guest today was a, uh, an ex and now a current work colleague to a degree. We previously worked um, in Warrington at King's Leadership Academy, and we we both started when that school was in year two. So it was the beginning of his his career, and I was a few years into mine. And like I say, after that really healthy short break, we, we now both work at um, the Co-op Academy's Trust. So we're joined today by Carl Graham, a.k.a. Instagram, a.k.a. at KTG underscore 1990, a.k.a. his grandmother's favorite grandson. Kyle, can you um, can you hear me, sir? I can indeed. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm if you could see the room I'm in, I'm in the back of my mom's house trying to isolate from, like I say, my two boys because they know I'm on this and they just want to play with this computer console that's behind me. But other than that, I'm, <laughs> it's a first world problem. I'm doing really well. Do you want to just briefly, I know people probably know who you are, but just kind of briefly introduce yourself to listeners, you know, who you are, where you're based, what you're about the last three numbers on the back of your card, you know, the, the essentials. I <laughs> wouldn't be much use to anyone that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, the, the, um, Kyle, I'm uh, the director of history across the Co-op Academies Trust. Um, as Benjamin said earlier, um, he uh, had a, 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 a seven-month break from me and then I rejoined him immediately. So I'm just following him around for the rest of his career, sadly, for you. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So head of head of humanities, head of history there at um, King's Leadership Academy in Warrington as well. And yeah, the Instagram thing, by the way, I'm really, really still to this day devastated that when I set up an Instagram account, I didn't think of that, and it's only been a retrospective thing. So it's, it makes me really, really sad that um, Instagram is not the uh, the handle of my of my Instagram account where I just post pictures of food. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, really exciting to be um, to be to be the guest on a, on a on a Teacher Talk Radio show. It's a, it's a bit of a role reversal. This. I know, yeah, you're the one who kind of started it for me earlier on. I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, yeah, the roles are reversed, like you said. So, what did your what did your Christmas look like? I mean, my my Twitter stream was if I just went down, it was loaded with pictures of lateral flows, you know, positive and people's Christmases were ruined, negatives and people's final chance of escape. Um, what what was it like for you? How's your Christmas been? Well, yeah, no, it's been really good. I mean, I got. Um, I guess you could say lucky in a way in that um, I tested positive early in December. So I kind of had that, um, I guess, I mean, I, well, I think it was the, the test. It was like something like the 29th of November or something. So I, I kind of had that clear run to Christmas then. So we, I think as a whole family, we got generally quite lucky. So went across to Northern Ireland for my birthday, um, which is the first time I've been in Northern Ireland for my birthday for a long time. So that was good. And just went out for mm. food and lots of food, lots of drink. And then arrived back in England there on the 27th. And um, I'm currently sat in uh, my in-laws house, actually. Um, we're about, we're, we're after this, uh, we're going to, we're going to head back home and probably catch some more of the Witcher, trying to finish off the Witcher season two, you know, it's one of those things. And then, uh, <laughs> yes, a significant detox of both unhealthy food and drink uh, is due in January because, uh, I've got a lot of uh, nice new clothes at Christmas time that, um, yeah, don't quite fit the way that I would like them to. So that's uh, yeah. that's really that from there. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I'm pretty similar to you on that one. So um, I, it's it's so bizarre how it's now social media is just this place where you share your te your medical test results. It's like it's like this badge of honor <laughs> yeah. one way or another. But yeah, I was I was similar to you. I I tested. I had Omicron mid December, probably early days of December, which that was yours. Omicron as well. Yeah, I was. I wasn't messing around. I didn't have the diet version. I had the full on nasty one. But it was like with the family. So I had it. Then my wife had it. So my wife finished her job in December and she wasn't even there for her last 10 days. So that was brutal. So she got that. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, we were meant to come home for Christmas, but then my youngest tested the morning we were going to drive down. So it's been, that's why I'm here now. It's slightly slowly delayed, but it's, uh, it's been an interesting one. And like I say, it's, it's hard at seeing um, work colleagues and, you know, those people mm. online just having their plans kind of put on the back burner for second second Christmas in a row. But I'm sure, you know, this topic will come up later, especially with a, a year in review. But it's, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on, Kyle. Yeah, man, no problem. No problem at all. Glad to be here. Bro, bro. So I think for the thing that I think is really useful, especially because we're going to, I'm going to take a couple months at a time here. And I've, I've essentially gone back through the newspapers physically. I ordered them all to the house. I've been going through the cuttings on the, uh, on the dining room floor. And I've tried to find the biggest the biggest stories in education that happened from January all the way through. We're only going to take half a year, Kyle. So don't worry, we're not going to, we're not going to do it all. Um, but obviously for yourself, your, your insights quite useful because um, at the beginning of the year, you were, you know, head of department, uh, secondary school. And then from September, not only moving trust, but also moving that role that kind of, you know, took that a slightly wider cir uh, circle of influence, right? Where you're working between different schools within a slightly bigger trust. It'd be really interesting to hear your uh, your viewpoint on some of these. So we'll just jump in with the first one, if that's all right. So I'm looking for, my first story was from January and February, and it was obviously the the U-turn that was um, school closures in um, the beginning of the school year. Now, I think it was the case for primaries, and I'm embarrassed that I don't know this, but not being in a secondary school. At the beginning of the year, did you go in for one day and then kind of the government said close, Kyle? Or did you, can you even remember this far back? It seems like a lifetime wow. ago at the beginning of January. You know what? I, I read somebody saying about this the other day and about uh, schools going in for two days. And I was like, I, I, I think it was primaries. I don't think it was secondaries, you know. I don't think we were in. I, yeah, if, that's and what if I got we from were, the, uh, if we were, it wasn't. Well, I don't remember it. So, um, no, I, I'm fairly certain it was primaries. Although I would be happy for somebody to correct me on that and go, "No, listen, mate, you were actually in work." <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'll wait. Yeah. We'll wait for Shane to be like, "Yeah, you took two days off. Where were you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I okay, so that's the that's the <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So that's the first story. So it's that idea of. Uh, I know at the beginning of that Christmas, so this is Christmas 2020, um, the government was like, yep, get ready to go back in. It's all going to happen. And then there was that that U-turn, um, uh, you know, that happened and went, yep, yeah, okay, we're actually going to close them now. Um, and the the stories kind of lent a bit as well towards that, that idea of a digital divide, you know. So this, this wasn't the first time that schools had been locked down at all. Um, it was the sorry, second or third by this point. But, um, you know, a lot of schools and in the papers, a lot of schools were still suffering from this idea that, you know, some some schools had either have the infrastructure and the devices and the pupils have Wi-Fi. And then for one reason or another, just some pupils, family schools didn't. So kind of and again, this is this is testing your memory here about 12 months. How how did you find and maybe from the maybe just take it from this classroom teacher approach? How did you find that that lockdown? You know, the idea of, you know, coming straight from a, a holiday into remote learning. How, how was that as a process for you? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting one because it didn't have the... Excitement's, I guess, the wrong word, but obviously with the first lockdown the previous year, you kind of had this, oh, this is new, this is weird, this is different. Uh, plus, I think we got quite good weather, whereas doing it in January was very, very different. And, I mean... So, so I, I was, I mean, my big thing was, I, I think I, I got to the heaviest weight I ever was in my in the first lockdown. I was to kind of determined to make sure that didn't happen again, just from a personal perspective. But from an mm. educational one, like obviously, as as you're aware, um, like Kings and Warrington had, like uh, Shane Irston, the, the, who was the principal at the time there, um, was not a CEO, was very, very ahead of the game, and and, and so were you, in fact, because you led the a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff in terms of bringing us in up to that point of being capable to do the remote learning. Uh, that's right, just me, just picking you up there live. Don't worry. Um, I have a message him to say that. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so by the time we got to January, um, although I wasn't, it wasn't kind of the new. Oh, this is this is an interesting thing to do. There was certainly a confidence in the ability to do it. Um, mm. And I, if I remember, we, we moved in January. We Instead of doing, in the first lockdown, we did 40-minute lessons online, whereas we moved to doing 50-minute lessons online. And obviously, that mm-hmm. that did make the day more intense, um, which, you know, it, one way or another, because uh, you know, but you also got more done. Um, and I actually had saved um, some of the workbooks from that um, and just to kind of look back over as, as kind of examples. And... And um, they were absolutely excellent. Some of the work that the students did was just remarkable um, in that. Mm. And the resilience that I think the students showed was was phenomenal. Because the, I think the the, the obviously the, the, the like attendance figures were in the ninety percent, which is rem- which you won't see anywhere else in the country, really. I don't think. Um, but I do remember it being. It has to be said. I do remember it being much more difficult in the first one, just in terms of there was nothing shiny and new happening. It was many of the same things. It was just kind of a case of right. Well, let's do this and. Um, kind of knuckle down and get through it again this time um, because surprise, surprise, we've had no uh, no time to prep for it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to hear from anyone who's... Uh, so I've just got a, a tweet there. So from Coach Wise. So I, I know Coach Wise. We used to play American football together. He was saying it was primary schools that went back in for the for the one day. Thanks for that, um, John, for clearing that point up there. So yeah, Kyle, you don't owe any money to anyone. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be really interested to see what the how schools dealt with and again, not being part of that at all, how schools dealt with that that fatigue. Because you're right, at the very at the first instance, and it's the same with like isolation. We got isolated in the summer and the weather was fine and we could get out and it was it had that novelty. And it's the same with everything you do, right? It's human nature. But I'd be really interested to know how schools kind of how they dealt with that. Or again, the the theme of the show is what what mistakes have we learned from? Is there anything that schools or leaders or people listening would do differently now if we had to go straight into a lockdown after Christmas? You know, that idea it's the fourth time to avoid that that um, um, that fatigue, that idea of, you know, kids just going, oh, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to do this again or how we can get staff buy-in. But um, yeah, it's interesting. And again, just to clarify, so in January when I moved to my new role, my job was solely getting ready to open up a new school in September. So all the way from that lockdown in January up until September, I wasn't, I wasn't involved with a secondary school and the live teaching. That would be definitely one of my things I'd reflect on and go, I I would like, if I could do my time again, I think I'd try and get out into schools, even if it was just within the trust, because it was very much removed, I think from the, you know, stuff that I need to use now we went to my school in Manchester we went remote learning for the last few days just because of staff absence 
And I think I definitely could have learned a bit from the other schools and what they'd been doing in that January window. Um, but again, it's, it's that 2020 hindsight, isn't it? But that would, that would be one kind of one thing for me there, I think. Um, yeah. And I think also in the news, I don't know what your thought is on this car. There was, um, there was a news report and it's been argued. Well, yeah, it's been argued to be quite divisive. This idea of, I think the headline was schools choose holidays over lessons or something along those lines that the idea of remote learning is some easy, easy transition for staff and it's easier to teach remote. I, I don't know what your thoughts. Are. I mean, I'd a hundred percent rather be in school teaching than in a, a makeshift office I've got in my house. I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of that, you know, teachers just kind of taking some time off and would prefer remote. Well, as, as everyone knows, we're only in the job for the holidays anyway. Do you know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think I, don't, I, I think you'd struggle to find a single person who would rather do the online version than the face-to-face version, right? So, I mean, I, I'm not... <sighs> Uh, it's, it's one of those. I mean, I I struggle with the online thing because it's. Um, I, I enjoyed it for for what it was, but you don't get the same level of interaction that you do in a classroom. Um, mm. But also, you don't get the same. I think as teachers, one of our kind of most kind of underplayed traits of a good of a good teacher is our ability to read body language, and you can't really do that on on camera um, to the same extent. So even if the cameras are on. Um, I think it's, it's much more difficult to kind of, to kind of know and see, cause you can't see everything. You sometimes just see a face, you just see the top of a head or whatever the case may be. So, um, I think that's makes it much, much more difficult. So yeah, I'd, I'd far rather be in the classroom. Um, not to mention the fact that I'm not a big fan, as, you, as you'll know from being in my classroom multiple times, I don't like sitting down. So, uh, <laughs> you can't really walk around whenever you're on, uh, on a remote, uh, a remote lesson. Otherwise you just keep disappearing from the screen. I'm sure we could uh, fashion you some like GoPro body harness that you could have walking around or something. We'll get that sorted. <laughs> yeah, just so, all the kids get motion sickness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, and I think it's it's just reiterating that point of whenever a school goes remote um, and it's not a school in lockdown or a school closed, everybody's still working. But it's it's always, as far as I can see anyway, it's always a last resort. So again, so my uh, where I'm currently at now, we've got, seven teaching members of staff and three non-teaching members of staff and covid turned that seven went down to three and the three non-teachers went down to one it just gets to a point where you're like well it's just not safe or we just physically can't have these many kids in the school but uh yeah it'd be i I wonder how you and it's a rhetorical question but i wonder how you get that message out to you know joe public of you know this was a last resort it's i think it's maybe because they it's so different than, you know, any other job, which could probably, an office could always just keep running with one person and everyone being remote. Whereas it's not quite the same for, a, you know, a school and or a venue or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, anyway, so just kind of jumping onto the second part of that story, it was the uh, the digital divide. Now, you mentioned when we were at King's, we were very lucky in that um, we, uh, the pupils had devices. And again, it's not a case of you don't have to name any schools, but have you spoken with anyone or families or professionals or whatever, where they've, that digital divide's been really apparent. And that's been, that was a, back in January, maybe a struggle for them, or did that not really come across anything in your, in your line there? Carl? Um, I mean, it wouldn't really have been, uh, not, not the Kings has to be said, because Kings was very good mm. at getting, making sure everyone had, if there was no internet access, there was dongles provided. And I know there's been a lot of good work done with that across um, the Co-op Academies Trust as well. But whenever I, I made it, obviously, a point of going into um, as many secondary schools as possibly could do in the Trust whenever I first joined, um, 
the ones the ones that would have me in anyway, Mr. Barker. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just that, that, that ban has now been extended a bit longer. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just another year added. Um, uh, it's okay. I love you, really. Um, it's um, it's uh, yeah. You could you could definitely tell that they struggled with certain um, certain places and others because it was one of the things I wanted to make kind of ask because. Um, I did a bit of work for the National College on um, the recovery curriculum document that Ofsted put out. So it was kind of in, at the forefront of my mind and it was interesting to go and see. And yeah, I mean, it has to be said, I think even the ones who kind of were provided with stuff, I think it was it was obviously not the, the ideal environment because like how many, um, even with like the technology element, uh, how many kids actually have both the technology and a place to work is the key thing. Like mm. who, how many of them have a desk to sit at, to sit and do work? Um so, and I think that, that that really, really narrows it down. And you do have the divide, not only to, uh, technologically, which many, many schools were saying that they, there was a, a, a significant area of that because obviously we're a, um, a trust that kind of um, serves inner city areas, aren't we? So that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just that kind of thing. If How many people are trying to do like four different Zoom lessons or whatever the case may be in the one room? Um, yeah. And that obviously becomes really difficult. Yeah, you're right. I I agree. I, so they say it's a digital divide, but I think it's it's an easy problem to solve getting devices to kids. Whether that's however whatever route you go, or if the government's helping, or dongles, like that's a that's an easy solution. But you're right. It's the what else comes with it. It's the infrastructure that's needed. The kids having the skills to be able to one use the device, but also you know follow along a lesson. Like the idea of online lessons. At least when I was going through the education system, an online lesson didn't really come about until I was like in some kind of postgrad or something you went physically to all your lessons and lectures and so on so yeah it's this digital divide but it's also like how you use the machinery and the lessons and, and and so on and not even to mention the staff side you know how i mean how how do you teach a lesson online and how do you teach a normal lesson let alone like you say not being able to see the kids on the other side or know that they're all there it's, it's a really it is a really difficult one all right so that was that was January and February. That's a good start to the year. This was like, this is the year from hell, isn't it? So that was January and February. So let's moving on March and April. And again, that, for those who have just joined in, I'm with Kyle Graham now. And we're trying to tweeze apart the, the year just gone and more discuss about what lessons we've learned and mistakes maybe we've made or seen as opposed to the, this is everything we've done. Fantastic. Do this. Maybe just trying to pull apart the areas where like, you know, if we had a, if we could have a mulligan, what would we do again in the, in the early parts of uh, 2021? Okay, so uh, Carl, your next story, um, where this is the, kind of the halfway point, story two was from March and April this year, and it was Gavin Williamson, um, the old Secretary of um, State for Education, he urged schools to crack down on discipline and mobile phone use, and the idea was he felt, and you know, his, his, um, his team felt that lockdown had inevitably affected pupils, but in particular had made their behaviour much worse so you know lack of discipline um and as an order as a result of lockdown the the neu um national education union um which represents teachers schools they disagreed with the comments so they um they reported they said they do understand the importance of reminding children about good behavior but they felt there was probably a stronger link between the mental health um being jeopardized and the high pressure curriculum and they felt they were maybe the biggest factors for behavior so maybe just pulling back a little bit carl in terms of that behavior use of mobile phones um where, where do you where do you stand do you agree with gavin do you think yeah we need to crack down on this or are you on more on the side of the neu going no there's probably a few more factors here that are 
negatively affecting behavior in schools when we came back from that lockdown? Uh, I'm going to plump myself firmly in the fence on that one. Um, well, with strong opinions as per. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, on one hand, yes, I think mental health, there's no question that that, that everyone's mental health was affected by the, the lockdowns. And, and obviously, it's not a, a healthy position, I think, for young people to be in at a time when socializing has probably got a heightened importance. Um, and when you're learning all of the social norms and whatnot and what you can and can't do and the consequences and whatnot, I think it has a massive impact. But at the same time, I think you'd struggle to find many people who would argue that behavior is not worse. I think everyone who I've spoken to within the profession, um, in different schools, both in the trust, outside the trust, people who I know from everywhere, say that the beha that behavior since the second lockdown has been unquestionably worse um mm. and they seem to there seems to be a real link people seem to always say the same thing they always seem to say it's it's much worse in the afternoon so it seems like it's a concentration thing right um i mean obviously as you'll know we were always really strict on phones anyway we had an, a, a like a, a no um a no tolerance policy really towards using phones in schools and I, that's something mm. i would massively advocate um regardless i think because i think mobile phones do distract there's i don't think there's any any, any doubt about that but um I, yeah I, th I think it's kind of both um in the sense of yes there are other factors to take into account but yes i do think we need a a national crackdown on on for want of a better word behavior because i think behavior has got worse and i think expectations have got worse um and i think it kind of if anything emphasizes the importance that we play as schools um, because obviously I think whenever people were away from that environment for such a long time, like you look at the current year nines, right? So year nine is, is, is always said to be, you know, one of the most difficult years just because of a culmination of different things. Right. Um, mm. and the year, current year nines have never had a full year in school in secondary school. Yep. yep. The current yep. year, what year 11s have never done a full year at key stage four. It's, mm -hmm. there's all of these things are going to actually play a role. People are going to be less confident in things. I'm, I'm noticing students are less confident in stuff just from like lack of being in, uh, perhaps seeing things on the news about things is, is going to have an impact, but there's so many different things that play a role in this. And I do think that, but I, I unquestionably would agree annoyingly with Gavin Williamson and say, uh, which I don't want to do, um, and say that, yes, I do think behavior has, has regressed quite significantly. And I think that there does need to be something something done about that it certainly, it certainly needs to be acknowledged um but yeah there's a big i think there's an issue in education with that yeah it felt to me it felt a bit like um you know that idea we go well, there's a correlation but doesn't necessarily mean it's there's causation there so you're right i think yeah. um on the next story the person we're going to talk about in the in the third and final one was saying how pupils in the uk over the last say two school years have missed i think I'm pulling the number out here. I'm pretty certain I'm close, but it was about 153 days have been, you know, disrupted due to lockdown or schools yeah. not being open. And it's yeah, it just seems a bit too easy for someone to go, okay, yeah, they've they've been locked down and their behavior's worse. And I wonder what the what the the behavior is actually a symptom of. What is it that's breaking down in the in the pupils' minds or in their understanding of the rules or what mm. the school are doing? And yeah, I I reckon it does go a bit deeper than that but you're right it's that that disruption's massive so i know bef the week before we broke up we had our like our assessment week and um, our assessments were all digital you know we're trying to save workload and everything but mm. as soon as we went to remote there's so many pupils who just for one reason or another um just 
didn't complete them. And it just has this knock-on effect of it just makes everything so... And you would think, in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's fu- that's that's really um, future-proof, right? It's online. You can do it wherever you want. But inevitably, if you don't have a teacher with you in the room going, right, this is the button you click, or yeah, this is your password that you've forgotten. You know, it's those little things yeah. that you can't really measure. You don't really think about of, okay, that's what we need to learn for next time through, I think. Um yeah, perfect. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just just pause there, and we've got a little bit of um, news and tech updates. So I'm going to mute myself. I always that reminds me of teaching online. I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to play this, and then Kyle and I are going to come back for the third and final story, which is going to be from May and June of the year just gone. Uh, for those that are listening, maybe while the adverts are happening, if you want to just drop us a question, your thoughts about anything we've spoken about, and again, it's that idea of if you could go back to the beginning of the year, um, is there anything that you feel oh, I'd, I'd like to do that one again? I called it like this, like that mulligan what would you like to have a do-over with what have you learned from the from the last year and kyle and i will uh, join you on the other side are you looking to take your phonics practice forward then little wondle letters and sounds revised is the program for you created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics little wondle letters and sounds revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, the SSTA union is calling for a delayed opening for schools after the Christmas holidays because of the Omicron variant. Seamus Searson, General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association, said, If the numbers keep going up, and it looks like that is going to be the case for some time to come, then we are not going to be in a fit state to reopen schools as normal in January. We're already hearing of schools that are not fully staffed, and parents are keeping their kids off to ensure they don't catch COVID in the run-up to Christmas. The idea that we need to keep schools open at all costs just doesn't add up. Delaying the start of the new term would give teachers more time to prepare for mitigation measures. A Scottish Government spokesman said, the Scottish Government is not considering school closures. As the First Minister has made clear, protecting the education of children and young people remains a top priority. England, a teaching union has warned of a perfect storm of Omicron-related absences. 
following Nadim Sahabi's letter to school leaders urging them to encourage ex-teachers back to the classroom. General Secretary of the NAS UWT, Dr Patrick Roach said, far more action is needed to improve the current market for supply teachers, which is nothing short of a national scandal. The government must address the delays with the DBS clearances and meet the costs of DBS certification so those teachers who do return to the profession are not left paying the bill. Dr Roach said that without guarantees from the government on teachers' pay and working conditions, the teaching supply crisis will continue for some time to come. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available, yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence. On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening Reader View. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open Reader View in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers 8 backgrounds slash contrast colours, 4 light and 4 dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with 4 points to 2 after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Fab, perfect. So we're we're back now. We're in the 
the, the, the home straight, as it were. And I'm for those that have just kind of joined us, I'm joined by Kyle Graham, the man, the myth, the legend. And we're, we're talking about the first the first half of 2021, a, a really, really difficult year in terms, well, for everything that's happened, um, but obviously particularly for us today. And we're talking about um, through a, through an educational lens. Um, so there's a couple points there that I picked up while I was listening to. I love the audio on that, that tech section, by the way. Uh, Kyle, you dropped a message in there and you just mentioned, you know, you've been sent a theory on behavior from the one and only James Robinson. Anything you could share with us uh, on the call? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's, a, he's a bit shy, bless him. Uh, so I couldn't get him to call in. Um, but yeah, he's essentially saying that like, um, it's, I guess it's like a societal responsibility in a way, saying that like over the last two years, um, children have essentially watched adults disagree with each other in not always best manner. People disagreeing with the government and going against what the government's saying um, and kind of challenging authority for many, many different reasons. And essentially that has then transferred to when they go into school, the children who have seen this happen, they're copying the behavior and challenging the authority of teachers mm. um, in, in, in a very similar way, which I think is quite an interesting way of looking at it. Um, kind of saying, well, it's, it's a learned behavior from seeing parents and, and I guess other people on, the, on, on, on television quite, because I think politics has kind of got that little thing to it now, doesn't it? It's, it's certainly not as, um, I guess, polite or well-mannered as it used to be. And I guess it's kind of maybe the thing that um, maybe is a learned behavior for children. So that's an interesting one, I think, from James there, actually. Yeah, thanks for that, James. Yeah, I really appreciate that thought. And yeah, something I hadn't hadn't considered before as well. Um, I got a, a tweet here again from Coach Wise. I keep saying Coach. I, I'm assuming you're still coaching. You might not be. Uh, Mr. Wise, he was saying um, a bit of feedback. And if he was to go back, he'd have um, had a look at some more literature that would have helped um, him deliver online, but also those for staff that are delivering to pupils. So the example he gave of a book that he's picked up recently, but he would have liked to get a bit sooner was the online uh, teaching in the online classroom so that's a doug lamov book so um, i believe tom had doug lamov on um earlier on in the month but uh that's thanks for that uh, john a really good bit of feedback a book i'll definitely have a have a look through and see what what we can probably take from that <laughs> they mentioned in that news report there uh kyle about x it's been in the news quite a lot the idea of x teachers coming back into the fold um i know the only one ex-teacher i know is my wife who's obviously just finished this term and i we were talking about it because it came on the news and she was saying how it'd be really unlikely she would even if approached she would go back into teaching for one reason or another what what, what are your thoughts on that carl this idea of obviously i know it's not last year it's quite recent news but trying to get more teachers to try and you know plug the gaps from staff absence um I th it's one of those I think that it's like a good idea if you're making the the kind of just a kind of a general statement I can't see it happening obviously we've seen Wilmslow come out and say oh yeah I'm going to go and I'm going to teach because he just likes to be the center of attention um but um I, I yeah no I I, I I don't know a single obviously I'm pro probably a bit young to kind of know but I don't know a single um former teacher who's keen on the idea at all um and I, I, yeah, I can't see it running. I think it sounds like the kind of thing that's a bit of a, they want to kind of paper over a crack, but I can't imagine them finding much paper, to be honest. Mm, yeah, it's, mm, yeah, it's it's so hard it's from, so I got a bit, of a, a bit of feedback there. Sorry, Carl. With the cover situation, it's such a tricky one. Um, it's something I've seen in the first, so we've obviously only been open 13 weeks. And I think I remember when I first started cover, Whenever it was needed, you could get it as easy as you like. And, you know, the, these companies had 
hundreds of people on their books, maybe a slight exaggeration, but they had enough people on their books where you could get three people from one agency coming into your school. And this is like when I first started um, teaching. So probably about 11 years ago. But now it's it got to a point where we were just looking for um, we were looking for some cover again to help us because we were down bodies because of COVID. And you could ring around five agencies and there's just no one. And it was a mixture. It was, oh, sorry, yeah, those people have already gone out to work in other schools and you've just kind of missed out on that one. Um, or, and this happened more than the others, it was actually those people on the books at the cover agency, they were actually had had COVID, you know, and they were they were self-isolating. And I can see what's happening in the news now, you know, where they're trying to slowly bring the isolation time down. So it's gone from 10 days to seven days. Then there was talk of potentially going down to five, which I don't know if it would help. I don't know the science well enough whether, you know, if you have someone coming in two days earlier, do you run the risk of them transmitting it? Uh, I'm not too sure. But again, it's trying to solve that same problem of if you just run out of bodies um, to kind of put in front of pupils and help them along their way. Um, okay, so we're going to go into our, our last story card, if that's right with you. And this is kind of taking us up to the halfway point. So this is from May and June. And as with almost every single story, only centered in education around one common theme. So there was a school catch-up czar. Um, his name is Sir Kevin Collins. And he resigned over the lack of funding. So he was kind of tasked with this idea of how do we get, we mentioned that 150 days of school time missed by pupils. How do we get them to catch up? Um, but he wasn't happy. He didn't think the amount of funding that was offered was appropriate to kind of get the, you know, the the British children out of this 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 kind of crevice that they're in from all the time off. So um, I'll just read a little bit here. He says he took on the role as a catch up czar in February uh, to develop long term plan to help pupils make up for lost learning during the pandemic. And again, just to put some numbers into the listeners' minds, so you know where where he was coming from and maybe why he felt there wasn't enough funding. In the UK, the amount of money that was put aside for this catch-up, um, COVID catch-up funding, works out at about £300 per pupil. Okay, so £300 per pupil was given from the government and it would be allocated to schools to spend as part of their COVID catch-up. So £300 in the US, um, I believe it would have been Biden at the time, he put down for each pupil in the US... 1600 so we've got 300 in the uk uh the americans 1600 and again another figure obviously from the news article um the netherlands were putting for each of their pupils 2500 okay so 300 in the uk 1600 in the us and 2500 um in the netherlands but the the big news was him stepping out um, didn't feel that that was enough to get the job done. And he, he felt he couldn't couldn't deliver on that one there. So I guess my question isn't necessarily on this one, Carl, but again, uh, this idea of catch up, you hear the term so much. Um, what what are your thoughts? And again, the, the theme of that, the show is that kind of, what would you do if you could kind of go back and, and do it all again? And I don't know which angle you're going to take, whether it's like your new role and, you know, working across uh, multiple schools or um, at the classroom teacher level or head of department a bit earlier in the year. Um, is there anything you'd, you'd do again or, you know, knowing everything you know now and what's kind of on the horizon as we head into the new year, this idea of getting pupils caught up, is there anything you'd you'd want to do again or want to at least look into and read up on yeah i think it's a really mm. difficult one there because I, I think if you if you have a a solution for that then schools are going to pay you big money for it right so there, I, there's mm. no kind of i guess um 
magic bullet for that one. But I think I think there, there's some things we can do really well. And I think that if, if if I could get everyone to do one thing, it would be like I think retrieval practice is really important to this. Um, like I think it's one of the kind of key things because we need to go back over the things that we taught kind of in these lockdowns as much as we possibly can, because let's face it, it wasn't the ideal scenario for learning. It wasn't the ideal learning environment as we covered previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of one of those things for that. Um, I do, the thing is, is obviously you get loads of people doing different things. So you've got some people doing, uh, I guess, extra time after school um, and whatnot. Like you can look at that one way or another, like I know places wouldn't want to do that because you want to put extra pressure on staff and things. And I get that as well. So it's really difficult, I think, to find the balance. Um, I just think kind of being aware of, which, you know, all, all the schools in the trust are, being aware of the things that were taught during lockdown and being aware that you can almost consider that as being the key thing. Because um, within history, everyone ha- kind of has the capacity, because we, we're, we're 25% of the content is cut down in history. Everyone in every exam board loses one module, right? So you've got, everyone should finish a bit earlier um and it's just being aware that whatever was content was taught during during lockdowns should be recovered again there i think Mm -hmm. at that point and that's maybe the one to spend the most time on go back over all the other stuff and whatnot as well yes but um to go back over that is kind of the key message from that and i think it's just um that's kind of the one to to kind of look at from there and yeah i guess that's that's kind of that i don't in terms of mistakes and things i guess we're we're still in the process of finding out as many of them as we possibly can aren't we but i think exam technique as well like just, I, I, I wish I'd made as much time as possible for that at the beginning of September um, because that where the knowledge is okay, the exam technique isn't because people, you know, people aren't people were typing stuff up, nobody was writing it out physically, and I think that's a a bit of a a gap at the minute as well. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying earlier. There, it's just that even when it comes to normal teaching you're going to get such a range of things that schools do, staff do, pupils do, how they engage with content, what spec they're on, right? There's no, no one knows the definitive best way. You're seeing, you're seeing a, a slight change though, I think, like this idea of cognitive science and, well, let's look at what research shows and what can we implement? And, you know, is it, is it just anecdotal and it's stuff I've always done in the past or is it kind of embedded in, you know, some theories of learning and so on? And I think people are, especially like pupil premium plans now that you have to engage with, say, for example, a bit of research from the EEF that may form part of your pupil premium plan. So it's not just, this is my plan, but it's like, okay, this is also what it's based on, you know, this idea of research. And I think you're right. We don't even have that for normal teaching nailed down hundred percent. It's so hard to go, right. Now there are these kids that have missed 150 days. How do you get them caught up? I can see, I can see why it might be frustrating as well um, in some people's eyes because the government are, they're saying, right, well, we'll give you funding and you can have more, say like private tutors. And I've heard some teachers go, well, they, they don't just need more teaching. You know, there's something fundamental that they've missed, whether it's like you mentioned before, you know, like those kind of soft skills or how to develop relationships or how to kind of, you know, their how to monitor their internal compass in terms of behavior and attitude to learning. It's not just they need to sit in a classroom for longer potentially. But um, yeah, I, I was really, really amazed with how much difference there was in the amount per pupil now i obviously don't know how many pupils are in each country and whether it's the same amount of money just divided more ways but i can see why um uh, sir collins would probably go yeah we we could do more for for our, our pupils there um yeah i really appreciate your, your thoughts on that one i think it's a 
It was a really hard, just reading through those first three stories that take us up to June, it was a really, really tough year. Um, hopefully, moving forwards, we're in a, a slightly better position, but you know, hopefully we can learn from some of those things again. Uh, Kyle, I'd really, really like to um, thank you for taking the time out. I know 30th of December, it's maybe not, it's not at the top of your calendar, but I know we all have family and things to do. So I really do appreciate the time you've given us. If um, If people wanted to contact you uh you don't have to share your social media handle but uh, i'll give you the opportunity if you do kyle yeah no appreciate that yeah it's just uh, at ktg underscore 1990 um yeah you can you can find me on there that's pretty much the only thing that's i'm not going to even say interesting but it's the only place you can really find me i guess on social media but yeah you can find stuff on there and occasionally just hear me rambling about stuff um so yeah that's uh, but no thank you very much for having me on and um yeah look forward to, to listening and hearing the show tomorrow as well yeah, fab. No worries. Yeah, appreciate it, Carl. Thanks, and I'll, uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll reach out. I'm still banning you from site for a year, but I'll uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. I'm sure. See you in a bit. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. See you later. So that's bringing our show to an end a little bit there. I think it was really interesting to hear some of Kyle's thoughts, and I really appreciate those of you as well who've sent in a few um, messages and some uh, kind of bits of information on what you wish you would have done maybe a bit differently or got your hands on a little bit sooner. We're going to carry on tomorrow's show in a in a similar vein, but um, our guest, so Kyle's role has gone from um, head of department um, and now he's working across a trust as a lead in history. Um, tomorrow's guests are slightly different to that. It's um, We've got Michael uh, Childs, who if you're online in any capacity, I'm sure you would have either come across some of the training he's been doing or some of the, um, he's a, an author as well, some of the p- books he's put out. So it'd be really interesting to hear his side of things, you know, the experience he has and where he's coming from. And we're also speaking with Kat uh, Kafki, and she is a, similar to myself in regards to role, she's um, just opened a new uh, school in September. Um, so I thought it'd be really, really interesting to get someone um, with the experience that she has coming onto the show and speaking to us as well and having a look at the back end of 2021 and also kind of her take of how, um, what difficulties she's found and what she'd she'd like to do again if she, if she got the chance. And again, just trying to pull it all around. It's this idea of instead of sharing all the really fantastic things that we're, we're doing, which is important, you know, you want to you wanna get it out there and show everything that works for you and your pupils and your parents and staff and so on. But I think really trying to learn from some of those mistakes or times you wish you could just go back and give it another try or had you had this piece of information back in February, wow, that would have changed how you delivered this or created a staff CPD um, curriculum or whatever it might be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of just leave you with a final thought there. I appreciate anyone who's kind of shared anything with us, jumped into the room, is listening now. It really is appreciated. I know you could have been anywhere else you wanted, but you're you're here with us from 12 to 1. It'll be the same time tomorrow. Um, If you have any questions you want me to pick up tomorrow or anything that's kind of just come to your mind now and we, we don't have time to go through it, there's a few ways you can get it to us. So it's either... Um, reaching out through the Twitter hand, uh, Twitter hashtag, so hashtag TT Radio. If you're listening on the Podbean app live, you can obviously just type into the chat function and we'll try and pick it up there. Or you can call in if you uh, if you're really desperate and you don't want to spend ten minutes typing a question. Call in and we'll uh, we'll try and get you on the on the line as well. Again, what I mentioned at the top of the show, massive massive well done to all those um, uh, colleagues who are part of the 24 hour Twitter space. 
So for those that don't know, it's raising money for um, uh, bowel cancer awareness and a charity. And as of this morning, they'd raised just over the space of a day, 1,300, over 1,300 pounds. So they've done a really, really fantastic job there. I'm sure if you go to the Teacher Talk Radio Twitter account, you'll be able to see a, um, a tweet which will send you. So if you did want to donate as well to a, a very worthwhile cause, especially for those members of staff who are involved with this, um, then head on over to the Twitter account. I'm sure you can go through and uh, donate if you're able to. So thanks again. I'm going to kind of get our outro ready to go. Really appreciate you taking the time to sit, drive or lay down with us, maybe in a bit of a chocolate coma. But I'll see you all tomorrow at 12 o'clock with our two further guests and we'll continue our recap of the year that's just gone. Really appreciate it. Take care. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.